the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church Reno, we love God, love others, and make a difference. For more information, visit lifechurchreno.com. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. What a great time of worship together. And once again, just happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Today, we're continuing in our series through the book of Judges. And let me just be real for a second. Like we, we had just come out of the Apostles' Creed series, which was pretty heavy. And then we're like, okay, we're coming out of that. We're going into the summer. Let's do something fun. And so in our brainstorming meeting, we're like, Judges sounds fun. You got Samson and Gideon, all these cool stories, Deborah, like when we were kids that you heard. We're like, let's do that. Listen, as we've dug into this, this is some messed up stuff. This is one way you know the Bible's true. Because if this was some big sham to sell Christianity to the world, man, this is terrible PR. Because these stories are jacked up. And listen, today I'm probably telling probably the worst story in the book of Judges today. And the fact that I'm going to be preaching Jephthah on Father's Day, this may be the most awkward Father's Day message of all times. (laughs) Only to be topped by a couple years ago when Dave preached on sex on Mother's Day. That (laughs) topped it off. But this may be very awkward. We'll see, because, yeah, this story of Jephthah you'll see in a minute is just messed up. Man, my goodness. How I ended up with this on Father, I'm telling you, I'm like, is this a practical joke? But you can find the story of Jephthah in Judges chapter 11, and I'm not going to read kind of the whole thing. What I want to do is kind of fast forward and summarize the first part of the story. There's this guy, Jephthah, who is the son of this man, Gilead. Gilead was a very important and influential man in Israel. In fact, there was a region that was actually named after him, Gilead. But Gilead was Jephthah's father, but Jephthah's mother was a prostitute. And Gilead had other sons with his wives. And so what happened was, as those sons got older, they banded together and basically ran Jephthah out of town so that there was no way that he could share in his father's inheritance. And so Jephthah ends up in this place called Tob, and it's a very rough, kind of a lawless place, and he basically becomes the leader of a gang. The Bible uses the word scoundrel. That's a, we should use that word more often. That's a great word. You scoundrel. But he becomes the leader of this gang and really develops this reputation for being this great, mighty warrior. And so some time passes, and then the Ammonites, who are like this longtime enemy of Israel, they begin to attack Israel. And so the leaders get together and they're freaking out like, man, what should we do? And then someone has the idea, let's, hey, what about Jephthah? Man, he's got this great reputation. Let's get him to lead our armies in a battle. And so they send someone, they approach Jephthah. And of course, Jephthah's reaction is completely understandable. He's like, wait a second. Didn't you guys have like, y'all ran me out of town. You wanted nothing to do with me. And they're like, oh, let's just pretend that didn't happen. Um, and then, so they kind of ask him and plead with him to, to lead their armies. Um, and he actually says, hey, what, who's to say if I don't do this for you and I beat the Ammonites that you're not gonna run me off again? They're like, no, we promise this time that if you lead our armies and defeat the Ammonites, you will be our leader. So Jephthah agrees. He then sends a message to the king of the Ammonites, kind of just trying to negotiate 
uh, the situation. They ignore him. Jephthah now is preparing for battle. And that's where we're going to pick up. If you have your Bibles, open to Judges 11, verse 30. <laughs> Judges eleven thirty 30. says, And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. And so right here, this is where things go terribly wrong for Jephthah. And really this vow that he makes to God becomes his biggest mistake. Because what happens is God does grant him victory over the Ammonites. The Jephthah and the Israelites just completely devastate the Ammonites. And then look, if you would, in verse 34. It says, when Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of timbrels. She was an only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. And when he saw her, he tore his clothes and he cried, oh no, my daughter, you have brought me down and I am devastated. For I've made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. And then verse 36, my father, she replied, you've given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you've promised. Now that the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the Ammonites. But grant me this one request, she said. Give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends because I will never, never marry. So Jephthah agrees. His daughter goes spends time with their friends for two months, come back, and the Bible just simply says, Jephthah did as he vowed. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Dads, don't sacrifice your kids, even though you want, may want to sometimes. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. So some people argue that he didn't actually sacrifice her, that maybe he just, she, you know, dedicated her to a life of service at the temple, but whatever you want to believe, if that makes you feel better, this is a tragic story. This is a very tragic story. And as you read this, there's one question that just leaps out that we have to kind of wrestle with and answer, which is why on earth did Jephthah make this vow? See, we got to understand that God strictly forbid human sacrifice. Life is precious to God. We're created in his image. On top of that, all the pagan cultures around Israel, this was a kind of a regular thing for them. And God wanted his people to be different. And so he strictly forbid human sacrifice. You can find that in Leviticus 18.21, Deuteronomy 12.31. So human sacrifice was detestable to God. So why on earth did Jephthah make this oath? And I can tell you for Really, thousands of years, men who are much smarter than me have been debating this. And so today, we're probably not going to come up with a definitive answer. But what I am going to do today, what I do want to do is just maybe look at some of the different viewpoints, the different theories as to why Jephthah made this oath, and from that, pull out hopefully some lessons and takeaways for us today. And the first viewpoint that I want to unpack is that there's some biblical scholars that just simply believe Jephthah was just being reckless with his words. And that's somewhat understandable, right? I imagine, man, he had a lot going on. He's probably nervous, hyper-focused on the fact that he was about to go to war. I'm sure just kind of pretty distracted 
And so some scholars believe that he just, man, was just reckless with his words, that maybe his real intention was to sacrifice an animal, but he just was careless with this oath. And if that's why Jephthah made this oath, then the lesson for us from that, this story, this tragic story, is that, listen, there is power in our words. There's power in the words we say, consequences for the words we say. Let me ask you this, have you ever been driving down the highway and you end up getting behind like one of those rock haulers or like a dump truck and you're driving and next thing you know you hear that sound. Ping, 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 followed by whack. When that rock hits a windshield and like you're about to soil yourself, you're like jumping out of your skin and then you start to think, oh, please don't crack, don't crack, don't crack. See, listen, that truck driver, he's just driving down the highway, completely unaware of all the stuff flying out of the back of his truck and completely oblivious to the damage he's doing behind him. I think for many people, they go through life Words flying all over the place, completely unaware of the damage it's doing around them. Y'all remember that old phrase when we were in grade school, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. There's never been a stupider untrue statement ever uttered. Because listen, words... There's nothing that hurts you more than words. Nothing damages you more than words. Look at what the Bible says about our words. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Man, our words pierce like swords. I started thinking about it. None of us would ever like take a sword, literally, or a knife, and walk around just carelessly, randomly slashing and cutting people. We would never do that. But for many people, they do that every single day with their mouths. Every single day, just carelessly cutting people down over coffee. Church, listen, we must recognize there is power in the words that we speak. There's nothing more powerful than our words. I can, you can see a simple word that can restore a broken relationship. A simple word can send two nations to war. A simple word of encouragement can inspire someone to go do something impossible, something amazing. And then a, heart, a harsh, hurtful word can just completely wreck someone and derail someone's life for years and years and years. Man, there's power in the words that we speak. James 3 talks about this. It says, listen, there's not a stronger muscle in the body than the tongue. And then listen to what it compares our tongues to. An uncontrollable forest fire, an untamable beast, a deadly poison, and a fountain of salt water. Like those aren't good comparisons. (laughs) There is power in our words. And I think for many of us, We've committed our hearts and our lives to Jesus. We're checking all the boxes, but honestly, we've left our mouths go unchecked for years and years and years. 
And maybe today, some of us today need to simply dedicate and commit our speech, our mouths, our tongues to the Lord. So some people, some scholars believe that Jephthah was just reckless with his words. Other scholars believe that he was just simply trying to garner God's support. That he was just throwing out this vow to kind of gain God's support and help. And honestly, church, this is something that we do all the time, don't we? We find ourselves in a really tough spot and we need an intervention from God. We need God's help, God's support. And so what do we do? We throw out some ridiculous promise that we have no intention of keeping. God, if you'll just help me get through this, I'll move to Africa and become a missionary. No, you won't. I'm guilty of this. Man, a couple months ago, our, our son Cody was born and man, there was some, like a little scary moment. There were some complications and what did I do? I found myself, God, if you'll just get us through this, I promise. And if that's the case, if that's what Jephthah was doing, just trying to throw out this empty vow, empty promise to gain God's support, then there's a lesson for us in that, which is, listen, we're gonna be held accountable for the promises that we make. You see, promises may not mean anything to you, but God takes them very serious. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4. Look at what it says about our vows to God. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. You know, church, there was a time when our promises, they meant something. And really from ancient times all the way up to halfway through the 20th century, man, a promise was binding. It was considered a legal contract. And you conducted business with simply giving your word and shaking someone's hand. But man, that's not true today, is it? There was a time when, listen, if you made a promise, there were, people just expected you to follow through. But man, that is not the case today. There was a time when there was consequences for not following through with your word. But man, that's not true today. Listen, there was a time when marriage vows meant something. But that's not true today. Man, today, if someone tells you, oh, I promise, it's like, man, I don't trust you as far as I can throw you. Because we've just become so careless and reckless with our promises. And I think for a lot of us, if we were honest, as we look back on our lives, we have a whole trail of broken, empty, hollow promises that we never followed through on. And I can tell you this, that's true for us Christians in our relationship with God as well. As I look back on my walk with Christ, there's a whole trail, a whole litany of broken, empty promises I made that I never followed through on. Look at what Jesus says about this. 
Matthew 5, verse 33. This is Jesus talking straight from the horse's mouth. Again, you've heard it said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by earth, for it's God's footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your own head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is where we get that phrase, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Or the redneck version that I grew up with, say what you mean and mean what you say. But as some scholars believe, if Jephthah was just making this empty promise to God to try to gain his support, there's a couple things we see. First off, man, that man, Jephthah had, If that's the case, Jephthah has a really distorted view of who God is and of God's grace and how he views us. You see, in that day, as I mentioned earlier, the pagan cultures surrounding Israel, human sacrifice was just a regular practice. It's something that happened all the time. And these people would make these human sacrifices to their false gods to either try to impress the gods to either try to barter or bribe or buy off the guards or just to simply gain the God's favor. And so if Jephthah's making this promise to try to gain God's support, what we see is Jephthah's approaching the one true almighty God the same way the pagans approached their false gods. He was trying to somehow manipulate or control God. He was somehow trying to put God under this sense of obligation But church, listen, our God, he cannot be bartered with. He can't be bribed. He can't be bought off. We can't impress him. And there's nothing we can do to earn his favor. He is a God of grace, which means, listen, he loves us in spite of the fact that we have nothing to offer him. He died for us knowing that we could never pay him back. And here's the kicker. He wants what's best for us in spite of our lame, stupid, empty promises that we make him. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We just sang it. You're a good, good father. You're perfect in all your ways and I'm loved by you. Listen, we don't have to make promises to God to earn his favor. We already have it. We don't need to make some empty vow to get his support. He is already in your corner because he's a good God. So church, some people believe he was reckless with his words and some people believe that he was just throwing out an empty promise to gain God's support. And if that's the case, it leaves us with a second question, which is, well, then why on earth did Jephthah follow through? Why on earth did he follow through? Why didn't he just simply humble himself, repent? God, I'm sorry, I made a stupid promise that I can't keep. Forgive me. And we know that God is faithful to forgive our sins. 
So why did Jephthah follow through? And that leads us to kind of the third viewpoint of the story, the theory as to why he made this promise. And honestly, just so you know, this is probably where I know Pastor Dave and myself land on this. Which is that Jephthah was desensitized and compromised by the cultures around him. That Jephthah was desensitized and compromised by the cultures around him. Almost like Jephthah was snow blind. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say snow blind? Like we kind of live in this mecca of mountain sports and some of the best skiing in the countries in our backyard. And you know that if you spend any length of time in the snow, you have to wear some kind of protective lens, sunglasses, goggles, something. Because here's what happens. When you're surrounded by white and the sun is reflecting off the snow, man, if you're there long enough, listen, it will create, it will cause damage to your eyes. And some people have even gone blind you see, what happens is snow blindness is the environment impairs your ability to see. In the same way, Jephthah's environment distorted and impaired his ability to see. You see, he grew up in a very rough, lawless place. Violence, death, Stuff like human sacrifice was a part of everyday life. He was surrounded by the Ammonites, the Moabites, Edomites, Amorites, all the other ites. And these were wicked, sinful people, perverse. But this was every day for Jephthah. And so he became desensitized. He became compromised, snowblind. And it distorted how he viewed God and others. And church, listen, that is a real danger for us today. I can tell you this, is society's morals go down the toilet, our standards of holiness, morality, justice, often get drugged down with it. And if we're not careful, listen, what was shocking and detestable yesterday becomes normal today and possibly fully acceptable tomorrow. And Paul warns us about this in Romans 12, verse one. He says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform Listen to that, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul warns us, he says, don't be conformed by the patterns of this world. Right? We're to, listen, our lives as Christ followers are supposed to look different than culture. We're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to be salt and light. And yes, we're in the world, but the Bible says we're not to be of the world. Which means, listen, we should be going against the grain of culture, not going with the flow. Man, the very word for the church is ecclesia, the called out ones. 
And listen, if your life as a Christ follower looks no different than anyone else's life, there's something wrong because we're called to be different from the culture we live in. Paul says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. It's easy. It's a slippery slope. The enemy is smart. But we gotta guard against that by how? By the renewing of our minds. Listen, I'm as guilty as this as anybody. Man, I spend 24 hours a day letting the crud of this world pour into my mind and I give God five minutes a day and I expect my life to be completely radically different. Church, we're not to be defined by our culture. And hear me on this. Whatever culture deems today as normal and acceptable, whatever that is, listen, God's standards never change. And that leads us to the last lesson I have for you today, which is this. Culture does not define God. Because culture is always changing and God never does. And if you serve a God or if your definition of God is constantly having to be redefined so that it fits real nice and neat in today's cultural sensibilities, man, that is not God. That's some homespun version you've created, but that's not the God of the universe. And that's not a God who's worthy of our worship and our devotion. And listen to what the Bible says about this. I'm gonna read some verses here. Isaiah 40, verse six. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. Malachi 3, six. I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews 13, eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. James 1:17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Church, even though we live in a day and time right now where literally everything is being redefined, I'm sorry, we don't get to redefine him. He's the creator of all things. He has always been. He's always will be. We don't get to redefine God. Culture does not get to define God. So this morning, church, whether Jephthah was being careless with his words, whether he just was making just an empty, stupid vow or promise, or whether he had just been just compromised by the culture around him. The most tragic part of the story of Jephthah is that the daughter bore the consequences. And what I'm here to tell you today is, listen, no matter how you view this story, which, which of those you believe, listen, if we're careless and reckless with our words, if we don't follow through with what we say, and if we allow culture to influence us and shape us and mold us, it's gonna be those we love the most and that are closest to us who are gonna bear the consequences. And what a terrible story, but what a great reminder to us. And it's a call to be different. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads And here's what I want to do today. If everybody can just be quiet and still, I want, 
I want to give you guys a minute today just to take some inventory, reflect, and to do business with God today. And I want to pray for you today. I wonder how many of you here today would just simply say, God, Greg, I have been reckless and hurtful and damaging with the words I speak. My mouth has been running wild. And I've hurt some people because of it. And today I need to submit my mouth to God. How many, if you raise your hand, no one's looking around. I just want to pray for you in a bit. There's hands all up all over. You can put your hands down. How many would say, Greg, I, I've made a habit of not following through. I'm the king or queen of empty promises, both to other people, to my kids, to my spouse, to God. And I need to start following through on what I say. If that's you today, just raise your hand because I want to pray for you. I see these hands all over. Put your hands down. And then finally, this is a hard one. I can tell you, I've been doing some business with God this week. Because how many of you would say, man, I have been desensitized and compromised by the culture today. And I don't view things the way God views things. And what breaks his heart no longer breaks my heart. And today I need the Holy Spirit just to renew my mind. Lift your hand if you would, because I want to pray for you. Put your hands down. Father, you see every hand, but God, you see every heart. And God, today we just commit to you our mouths. Lord, as your word says in Ephesians 4, verse 29, let no unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but only what is good for building others up so that it would benefit those who listen. God, I pray that, Lord, you would make us a people who speak life, who speak blessings, not curses. Lord, I pray that you would use our speech to benefit those around us. And that, God, our speech would be pleasing to you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive me when I gossip for when I'm critical. God, I pray that our, the words we say would bring you glory. And God, for the countless times, God, I've made empty promises to you that I have not followed through on. God, we repent. God, forgive me. I pray that you would give us the strength and the power to follow through on what we say, God. Let us be people whose yes means yes and no means no, God. Lord, making us 
Lord, a, a, a people that, Lord, will follow through, that can be depended on. And Lord, I thank you that, Lord, we don't have to make any promises to gain your support, that God, you already love us. You already want what's best for you. So you're already in our corner. God, help us to realize that. And God, finally, for those of us, God, who just, we've allowed culture to affect us. We've allowed culture to affect how we see things. We allowed culture to desensitize us to where, God, we don't feel like we used to. We don't, our hearts don't break like it used to. We're not convicted on things like we used to be. God, I pray you would soften our hearts, creating us a new heart. Give us clean hands and a pure heart after you. Lord, I pray right now that you would just renew our minds. Every person here, God, the minute we walk out of this door, we're just gonna be flooded with the junk of this world. But God, right here in this place, just begin to renew our minds so that we see you in the right light. We see others the way you see them. God, in all things, God, I pray that we would be your chosen people, your royal priesthood, your sons and daughters, and that we would look different from our culture. But God, we would share the gospel message of love with everyone we come in contact with. God, we ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Greg. So grateful for that good word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> grateful for that word. And I just appreciated that practice that Pastor Greg took us through. And I wanted to think about this for my own life this week and maybe encourage um, some of you to, to add that practice to your week this week, to have that silence, just a minute, three minutes real quick to just be silent before the Lord and walk through those three questions and really check in with yourself and check in with the Lord of, am I speaking kindness? And so, yeah, just love that practice. Glad that we got to do that together today. Um, as always, we want to support you. Um, a lot of you are going through really hard moments and we wanna pray with you. We're gonna have people at the front here to pray with you today. Don't leave um, if you feel like you need prayer. We want to pray with you. Online, there's a link for you. I'd love to reach out and pray with you this week. So click on that link. Let me know how I can pray for you. Church, go out, be blessed. May you go out in the peace and the presence of Christ this week that we would speak kindness, that we'd be a people um, that, that seek the presence of Jesus throughout this week. Blessings to you. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this and we'll see you soon.